three, two, one. Holy shit, Charlie, this is the sixth episode. Can you believe Holy we... shit. That I mean, is amazing. That is incredible. No STDs, no kids. We're still alive and we still have clients. Hey, I don't hey. know about you people, but can't ask for much more than that. No, All right, guys, welcome to The Porch Online. I'm Robert. That's Charlie. Hey. We have a banger for you today. So the first things we're going to go through is our weekly topics. <clears throat> Excuse me. So we're going to talk about the difference between multi-text option and dynamic creative proper, when to use mm -hmm. it, why to use it, the ups and downs, pros and cons. We're going to talk about how you can actually leverage testing with dynamic creative, uh, especially if you're at a lower budget or don't have proper experimental budget allocated. And then lastly, we're going to talk about a little bit of nuance, but Charlie has a really cool framework about removing bad choices, but not restricting the algorithm. And so we're going to go deep into that. I have a tip tool of the week and it's hardware and software. So it's really exciting for you guys. And then always, 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 we have the Guru Buster with uh, Charlie. So stay tuned for that. But you ready to just jump in, Charlie? Yeah, man, let's do it. Okay, cool. So the first topic is multi-text versus dynamic creative. And what we mean by that is when you create an ad in Facebook, if you're not creating a dynamic ad, so the dynamic creative is set at the ad set level. Once you set that at the ad set level, you're only allowed to have one ad in that ad set. So what we're mm -hmm. talking about, Facebook kind of has a mediate, uh, meet in the middle option where it's called multi-text option ads. And so what that is, is you can have different headlines, you can have different texts, and it's within the ad. Awesome part is you can put up to five ads or five texts, five headlines, five descriptions, et cetera, similar to dynamic creative. You don't get the um, asset allocation, obviously, in terms of the creative unit, but you do in terms of text, headline, description, et cetera. Awesome thing is you can test different offers with one ad unit. The problem that people are seeing is you actually can't a, see any of the breakouts. So if you do find one of these ads super successful, unlike dynamic creative, when you break it out, you actually can't see, it'll just show you the ad. It won't actually break it out like dynamic creative. The other thing that makes it problematic is it can be harder to scale if you believe in kind of scaling with an existing post ID because they don't have one. They'll have a post ID, but it'll be a variation of a dynamic creative. You'll see that with the DCO equals in the um, URL. And so those are kind of the pros and cons of it. I've seen them work really well and I actually use them a lot, but I also have a, I'm cognizant of when I use them because if I am using that existing post scale architecture, I know that this won't work or I'm going to have to spin up another ad and pick one of the best ones. And I'm not really going to know what the best text or headline was. Um, do you use multi-text, Charlie, and dynamic creative? And like, how, how do you leverage uh, it? And what do you see the pros and yeah, cons so in them? I use a ton of dynamic creative. I actually wrote a whole ebook from it. Um, and, and, you know, maybe uh, we can say like, hey, if you want that ebook uh, and you're watching the show, just uh, retweet this video Boom. and ask for the dynamic, ask for the ebook and I'll send it to you for free. Boom. Um, there you go. Boom. Um, yeah, on, on dynamic creative testing and actually the structure about around all of it. I, I heavily, heavily use dynamic creative um, to do all my creative testing with, and I try to use it um, if I have the budget so that I can isolate single variables. Yep. So I'll have like one single creative with a bunch of different versions of text, yep. or I'll have one set of control text with a bunch of different creatives. And I'll try to either test uh, horizontally on a single idea or vertically or on a single creative. But if you have a lower budget, you can throw in, which I don't like to do as much, but actually does play into the multi-text. Um, it is that if I've got like a killer creative, yep. but I want to try, say I've got like four creatives and three or four different sets of text, I can run those. And in the dynamic creative, you can go into the reporting and you hit little breakdown button. Yep. And then you can do the last option appears there is dynamic creative element. And you can break it down by, by text or by creative or what, or headline. If you find that there are multiple winners, right? It's so that like this is my absolute smash creative. It's got 39 sales at like a two, and everything else is at like nine sales, 12 sales at like a 1.5 or something. Like that is the one. And then you go to the text side, and out of like four of them, you see that like, well, three of them are smashing, and the other one's like a 0.5. This is an option where instead of normally what we would do is we would take the best elements. Yep. If we if we can't isolate a creative, we would take the best elements, like, all right, that might to take those into static ads or, or into isolated ads, 
we would take that one creative that's smashing and build it out with three versions, one with each type of text, right? Well, what you can do with the multi-text function is basically take that one creative and load it in with all three variants. Now, that means that that creative is effectively cherry picking the best parts of the dynamic creative. However, you're never gonna be able to go back and optimize it under or understand which one's doing well. So this is a classic play on the idea of, do you want insight or do you want performance? Yeah. Um, the other issue with that is, is that you can't use that post ID in multiple places. So it also means that you can't do the hack of, I guess it's a hack, of taking that post ID and dropping it in multiple parts of the funnel because your bid is your budget and your estimated action rate. Actually, I was just doing a thing on this yesterday. Your bid is your budget and your estimated action rate. If you put your ad, so this is like how a bid works inside the ecosystem and it's looking for the low cost conversions and here the high cost conversions. Now this is the value of your dollar. If you take your ad and have it in prospecting, say this is their standard. If we were to take yeah. the exact same post ID, drop it inside of retargeting where estimated action rate goes up, the value of this dollar actually rises. So you're gonna clear more conversions because Facebook sees the people more likely to click on that ad. So that's auction management. You yep. can't do auction management with multi-text. So I tend to avoid it. However, if you are in a broad only prospecting only ecosystem, you don't have a lot of budget and you're trying to maximize the assets that you have, you can do dynamic creative to find the best creative that you have and to do co copy testing and just drop the best variants into a single like broad slash lookalike stacked yep. prospecting campaign and you sacrifice auction management and the ability to really control the user flow, but you're going to get the most bang for your buck. Although it's ultimately not a scalable solution. If your situation is more along the lines of I'm running cost caps on low budgets and I'm basically like any right. sale I can get under for 50 bucks is good, yeah. but I can't afford a $60 conversion. And I, if I spend a hundred bucks today, that's great. If I spend a thousand bucks today, that's great, but I can't spend more than X then this is a, if you're in that restricted situation, which I mean, maybe you only have a certain amount of money, like you, you're not like unlimited credit cards, but as much as possible for every sale under 50, Right. then that's a, that's a good way of managing it because you're housing all of your ads inside of one campaign, inside of one ad set and you're allowing Facebook to make those choices. Um, but ultimately I think that that's the isolated situation where multi-text makes sense. Yep. Other than that, it's dynamic creative, pull out the best variants, variations, make it as its own ad, I build them inside of a DCT winners campaign that's turned off with a $1 budget yep, just in I case did. somebody accidentally turns it on yeah. and, and then, uh, and then take that post ID and drop into all my control campaigns. Yeah. That's so funny. You do that. So, uh, a lot to unpack there, but the closest thing, uh, I do the same thing with the creatives and I even go a step further. I have a thousand dollar bid cap and it nice. still spends out. <laughs> It'll still spend out every now and then. Um, yeah, I love all of that. I, to piggyback on that, I absolutely think the dichotomy of insight versus performance is essentially the too long didn't read of all of this. Where for mm -hmm. me, I know that this offer at the like abstract level resonates. And I don't really care because it's not that different whether this headline or that headline or this headline resonates as long as this ad's driving a lot of performance, specifically in my excuse me, in my prospecting, because it's just kind of, I kind of want more broad nets there where I very rarely use multi-text is in retargeting because the offer is so shaped. I know what that user, or I know the offer I'm trying to push that user in, whereas it's a little more nebulous at prospecting where I kind of want to have a little more ambiguity in my offer. And that's kind of another thing I would tell you about the dynamic creative is you can really get a lot of performance if you have, uh, for example, a really ambiguous creative, but then you can actually make sure the offer is really uh, comes through in the headlines and the text. But one thing that matches there, or one thing to be mindful of is those can be any combination of anything. And so you don't, you can't have any like headline or text dependent thing because it could be combined with other stuff, if that makes any sense. So if you have a specific headline thing about brushes, but then the text is about combs, you can't run that in a the single dynamic creative because those there's a chance that those get combined together and people are going to see a picture of a brush text for a comb and then uh, beer jelly for the, the, the description or something Not like that. So make sure, specific. Yeah. yeah, make sure the offer is all in the, it, they all can jive together. It's like an outfit. You don't want anything to clash too bad. Um, but yeah, I think and, and I'll even say to, to, to reiterate on top of that, um, 
one of the biggest variants of that that I see becoming an issue is where some people will try the same text in the copy and the headline. Yes. And then sometimes you get the ad where it's both of them. Yep. Which just looks weird. 100%. Weird one, though. I've ran a blank uh, text and it actually performs. So every now and then throw the blank oh, yeah. text in there, especially if you have a strong visual creative. Um, it'll really jump off the page. Um, yeah. And if you have a banger headline, it, uh, I've actually seen that perform in the past as well. And then the last thing to put a bow on all this, by nature, dynamic creative is performance oriented, right? The whole point of it is not to test. Facebook did not create dynamic creative as a testing frontier. It created it as a new ad unit. And so when you do see those winners, you can it, ultimately Facebook will, you'll very rarely see a bunch of winners in a dynamic creative. Sometimes you can, if you have a, either a weak champion or um, just really strong uh, two or three options, but very rarely will you see a very nice distribution. And the reason is usually they'll see a winner with clicks or engagement or something that they're looking for right out the gate and they'll get the line share that spend. So what I've done in the past, if you are running it as a creative strategy or as a testing strategy, just take out the champion and let the let other people battle it out because you might have another champion in there. They're just not as strong as that current champion or they didn't win right out the gate. And yeah. so uh, just be cognizant of that, that just because that one top creative didn't or that is definitely your champion, but there could also be other champions in there. So you can get some false negatives where those aren't necessarily scrubby ads. They just couldn't hang with the Steelers, so to speak. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I will Zing. say that's one reason why uh, if you do, I start out with my creative testing being 100% of my budget because I'm start, starting my campaign at broad with just creative testing. But as soon as I find the winners, it takes less and less of the spend share because I'm taking out the absolute best pieces and I'm saying, okay, it was 100%. Now it's 20% because I'm spending all my money in the things that has proven to be great. Which, I mean, honestly, our next topic was testing with dynamic creatives. So I think we can just kind of parlay directly into that, if not yeah. being the same thing. Like, you know, what you're talking about with like testing with the creatives for that piece, like, I think one of the things that is great because, it, again, you're right, it, it was built as a performance piece, but there are great ways to test with it. Yes. One of the things to keep in mind is when you do have a champion, and we, what we call a champion is just like, this is the ad that is absolutely winning in the dynamic creative. It's getting that iteration. It's getting 50, 70, 85% of the spend. Nothing else can work. And it's holding, right? That's where we get a yeah. winner. I do a weekly creative report with somebody where like, I'll say these things are winning, not quite winners yet. Right. And then when I do declare a winner and I pull that thing out of the dynamic creative, to put into a control campaign, I also expect that performance of that dynamic ad set within my dynamic creative campaign to suffer massively because it doesn't, yep. because the thing that it learned how to use is taken away. Um, but I, I would also stress if you are in a situation where maybe you're in a micro budget campaign or you're just starting out or you don't have control campaigns, I would not remove my champions from my dynamic creative yes. until you've scaled to a certain point because you're only trying to find winners. You can absolutely do dynamic creative testing to have uh, to just find the best ads and then you're only removing losers. And what happens is, especially if you're starting from zero, like if I were to start a campaign from an ad account from absolute zero, right? You could absolutely dynamic creative testing, four or five different concepts, a bunch of different variations and only remove the bad choices. And what happens is you're actually building a campaign that works. And if it's working, you don't need to fix it. Changing into a control campaign, that structure is a big move. Um, yeah. And so like, again, that's another ebook I wrote on, on um, one campaign to rule them all is literally just a dynamic creative testing campaign at broad where you only yeah. find the things that work at broad, yeah. at scale. And I've run entire, I've run like four or five figure daily spends with like three campaigns. And it was like dynamic creative testing, DPA retargeting and then an upsell offer. And, and I've gotten to twelve, fifteen thousand dollars a day. Like there's no Absolutely. reason to go beyond that. Yeah, I, I love all of that. That the architecture makes a ton of sense to me. And uh yeah, dynamic creative is fantastic. I've I've seen a lot of legs on it. Um I was a big, big proponent of it back in the early days. It's a really, really uh helpful tool, and especially if you're using it the way you should be. Um, and the way we've kind of discussed, discussed in this, there's a lot of kind of different uh, optimizations you can get from it, but also running those kind of big broad audiences. It's really 
you're essentially giving the algorithm all the pieces of an ad and it's creating the most efficient ad unit for you. And not only that, it's doing that iteratively throughout the day. Yeah. That's a big, like what other media buyer can do that? There's no media buyer that can do that. Like it's just impossible. And so what a media buyer can do, which is perfect segue, leading us into kind of Charlie's bifurcation of removing bad choices versus restricting the algorithm. And so you're teed up, Chi. Okay, great. Uh, By the way, I do want to give you credit. I was not using dynamic creatives and you kept crushing with it so much. I was like, fine, I'll try it. And then it became right. I was actually halfway through writing my creative. I think I wrote my first creative testing ebook um, and I w- hadn't adopted it. And then the next one was like, so if you're using dynamic creative, like this is like, <laughs> which so is great. Changing right? the like, tides, baby. Yeah, you gotta, you gotta, you know, be like water, understand like what's best. Um, and again, I, you know, I'll even quote this out. Like if you want that ebook and retweet this and just say you want that ebook, like let's use these to help you all out. Get these ebooks are free. There's no pay gate, no nothing like that. Just help us it. get this word out and we'll help you crush, right? Like that's what it's all about. Um, so restrict, don't restrict, but remove bad choices. So like one of the biggest things that I see inside of Facebook ecosystems all the time is people basically saying like, I want to very control, I want to have a very tightly controlled um, element of, of the customer flow, right? And we were just talking about this on Twitter all week long, I guess it was Ads Alchemist that tweeted this thing out. And like, there's all these people saying uh, somebody else and then you had taylor from common thread collective and we should write down all these people were were uh tagging so that like i can mention them in the video uh like in 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 the in the comment section we'll drop the handles on yeah yeah. nice nice uh so all these people are basically saying like oh this would be a great idea for instance if you could restrict how many times somebody saw an ad like control the frequency um Mm -hmm. and there's all these other things, right? Where like, you're also saying like, if somebody doesn't like this, let's try it with this thing. Let's try it with this thing, getting these user flows. I remember back in the day, like two, three years ago, Ezra Firestone was really pimping this thing about like um, sequential messaging where they see this one, then they see this yeah. one, then they see this yeah. one and you're taking this person through a journey. And like, it was really smart. It sounded great, but like ultimately, I haven't yet to see somebody go into the numbers and prove that that was anything that was that was good for you. So for instance, like in this conversation where we're talking about like, let's restrict Facebook from being able to show the ads that we that, that Facebook wants to show and say like, if we could control this and then we'll retard and then we'll sequential messaging with this one and then this one, or like limiting the frequency. The issue there is you're preventing Facebook from being able to show the ads in the right places. Like maybe there's a desktop news feed and then there's an audience network and then there's like an Instagram That's feed it. and auto placement. And maybe that one impression wasn't good enough and somebody didn't see it. It didn't work. Like, 100%. Yeah. like and let me, for two reasons why this is bullshit on, on a greater level. Number one, if this actually worked, peop- billboards wouldn't work. Television wouldn't work. There'd be no element of showing the same ad to somebody over and over and over again. Like that fucking Christmas commercial with like the polar bears for Coca-Cola wouldn't work because we've all seen it for 20 fucking years. But it does work because frequency on messaging has a very high impact. And it's another reason why the other side of this is um, there's a quote from Reagan's political advisor. And it's like, you have to tell somebody something eight times before they remember that you told them anything. Right. And there's an element to that. Like there's one of the reasons that you see like huge spending in political advertising in America is that it is a very direct correlation to the amount of time somebody sees your name and how successful you are. There is a direct correlation to frequency of messaging to perceived value and success. And so what this means is that might not be the ad that brings you, but if you have three or four different ads inside of an ad set or inside of a campaign, Facebook is finding the right way of messaging you. There's also an element to this where like a bad impression teaches Facebook what success looks like just as much as a good impression does. You get lucky all the time, but like, for instance, like I was trying to think of it as like training a slow learning dog. Like if you take your dog out and it pees outside and you give it a treat, that's great. But like, it doesn't understand that that's what you're trying to do. It just means like, if I go outside, I get a treat. Like my dog has now figured out that like, if he wants to, if he wants a treat, he just pretends it needs to go outside. And then he fakes pees and comes back in and is like, Hey, treat time. What you're trying to do is not, that's only training the dog to go outside. What you're trying to do is train the dog to not pee inside. So you have to punish it or restrict, you have to punish it when it does the thing that you don't want to do. And it doesn't understand the lesson. I think I was on my live yesterday. I said, you can tell a kid a thousand times never to put their hand on the stove. Like every time you're cooking, give them a dollar when they don't put their hand on the stove. They're like, great. If I want a dollar, just don't put my hand on the stove. But if the kid puts their hand on the stove and gets a third degree burn, they'll never fucking do it again. You need to teach Facebook the same way. 
right? Where you're restricting with dollars and it understands in that ecosystem what is valuable and what isn't valuable. Um, and that's how the auction kind of works, which goes back to the live yesterday about the auction and the billion basics and machine learning. That's a whole aside. So my point with this is instead of trying to control the element of Facebook where you actually, nobody, I've yet to see people truly prove out through math. Like for instance, mm -hmm. with the restricting daily frequency. If you're going to go in there and, and show me ad by ad by ad, that the frequency of that ad in each ad set is the reason that you're failing, then I'll believe yeah. you. But so far, that's not the problem. The problem is so many other things that you aren't looking at, right? Like that's just saying like, it, it, it's like, well, you know, like you're, you're jacking something that is, that is um, by happenstance, mildly corollary as a causational impact. And, and that's right. very poor decision-making. So what I try to do with Facebook is training this dog. You remove bad choices as options. So for instance, when we're talking about the dynamic creative, so you've got five pictures in there, three sets of copy and three sets of headlines. If one of them gets 20, 30% of the spend and it's coming in at two times your target CPA, if you want to optimize that campaign, it's not restrict how people see the ad, it's remove the one variation that isn't as good, right? So for instance, I always talk to people about like, if you're coming in at a target CPA of 20 bucks and you have one ad that's at 30, one's at 25, 20, 15, and 10, and they're all getting even spent. This is a weird situation, but let's just go with it. Now you can either say, if I wanna, if I wanna get below 20, that this arrangement doesn't work and I need to do my audience testing or I need to do landing page testing or offer testing or all this other shit, or you could remove the ad that costs 30 bucks. Now yeah. you have a 25, a 20, a 15, and a 10, you're immediately going to average less than 20. Maybe you lose a little bit of efficiency and you go to an 18, but you've improved by yep. 10% overnight yep. by just removing a bad decision. Don't Facebook is going to use your creatives. Your ads are doing all of the targeting. Your audiences are where they can play. So if you yes. want to improve your situation and scale your efficiency, just remove things that don't work and it can only make better decisions. It, it, it's a pretty simple set of choices, right? Like, if you want it to be smarter, if you want it to make better choices, just don't give it the option to fail and you use data to restrict or to remove those bad choices. Uh, and the last thing I'll say on it, because this is sort of a roundabout thing is the Facebook ecosystem is, is the single greatest invention by mankind to create intent to buy anything, right? I mean, short 100%. of like the person invented, you know, sex work. Like it is the thing that is going to do the best job at creating intent. 100%. For you to believe in that, but then say that you're smarter than it is hypocritical and you have to lean into one way or the other. And I'll tell you, the people that try to hack the system are the ones failing and the ones that saying Facebook doesn't work, the ones that are working 10, 12 hours a day. The people that lean yeah. into it are the ones like me who are going to do the exact same job or better at like 45 minutes a day, an hour a day, because yeah. you're letting the machine yeah. do all the work. So it's machine learning, it's an AI, there's an algorithm, you can lean into it to save yourself work. Cause at the end of the day, if the performance is the exact same, but you're working 10 hours a day and I'm working 45 minutes a day, 45 minutes a day leaves me another nine hours to work on the other aspects of my business 100%. or to enjoy my life. And, and that's so much more important. I, I love all that and I, I couldn't be a more evangelist for it. I guess the too long didn't read to kind of give you guys if you need a little clearer perspective. So what we mean by remove and what we mean by um, kind of constrain. So I had a client that was um, doing meditation stuff around the sleep cycle and or around sleeping stuff. And I made this beautiful curve. I had actually mapped out like the conversions were happening from X time to Y time. And it was this perfect bell shaped distribution. And I was going to do this kind of time bracketing stuff. And it worked till it didn't. And it's just kind of one of those things where the rule of thumb for me is if I think I'm trying to be smarter than the algorithm with this strategy or architecture, I really have to take a step back and say, maybe I could just remove choices versus constrain what they can do. And so I 100% with Charlie on this. And the other thing too, and Charlie actually pushed back on the pre-call and I, I, I he brought me around a to this. few moments don't go later in and if they're totally totally abysmal definitely kill them but don't kill everybody because that's essentially going back to our store store manager being the ad set stores the campaign store managers the ad set ads are salespeople. if you leave your whole sales floor to only two people even though they're the best sales people 
it can be super disruptive to that system. So start firing people slowly and take out maybe the, the bottom two or bottom 20 percentile of the ads instead of killing all of your horrible performers. Because another thing, too, it, it just because they might not have gotten enough spend where they have five or ten dollars in spend. And that's why their content views five dollars because they've yeah. only got ten dollars in spend and so they're still removing the bad choices the salesperson still finding their groove it might be a good offer so that's yeah, something that actually maybe the is... champion ad got all the good impressions because it knew that well the champion ad can get it cheaper so that other ad just never got the chance exactly and, and the other side so... of it is too just like in budgets where you're not supposed to move your budgets by 10 20 30 percent because it affects the overall algorithm because you're moving a variable that's... too much if yep. you have 10 ads and you remove five of them that's a 50 percent change yes Yes. So none of absolutely. your changes should be over 10, 20%. You can do that every single day, yep. but don't adjust a variable in your algebra by too much and expect the outcome to be predictable. Yep, absolutely. Well, because then this, if you think of it, the sales manager has a totally different set of salespeople to work with. These salespeople have a totally different sales manager to work with. The whole system is essentially reset versus mm -hmm. you're moving and grooving, and then you're kind of stack ranking where you're you're cutting out the lower kind of fat and then you're either supplementing or uh, giving those people that have shown historical success more of spend. Yeah, absolutely. And, and just let the thing do its thing, man. Yeah, boom. Tell us uh, get, get how out, much you get out get out the way, people. Just get yeah. out the way. Let Facebook make you money. Think of the fun stories to tell your clients and be more on like for me right now, especially more time than ever, a media buyers almost a media strategist where mm -hmm. all my clients love the fact that I'll take every week over week. Hey, kind of to your point, exactly what you do with your clients. Hey guys, here's what work. Here's what's working. Here's what's not working. Here's what's killing it. Here's what we should lean into. Here's what we, we should lean out of. Here's some options to accomplish that. The client says, okay, yeah, do this, 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 boom, you run it again next week. So there's never, I guess the higher level of this kind of meta conversation is there's never really failure. There's just learnings. And so as long as you have a constrained thesis that you're betting on, your client's not going to, I mean, you can't miss that many bets in a row, it, yeah. essentially, especially if it's not a product problem. Sometimes it is a product problem and that's really awkward where it's like, hey man, I can't sell your lipstick with cancer on it. Like it's, yeah. <laughs> it just doesn't work or the economics don't work. That's totally different where they can have a totally fine product. Conversion process is fine and you're just putting the wrong salespeople in the wrong areas to play with. Um, and so just be cognizant of that, but having those learnings come out from, like we said, the dynamic testing and a lot of things that you can do that don't necessarily need a $10,000 experimental budget and an AB test proper and stuff. You can get you, and this is actually to wrap up, you can be qualitatively right and lean in and that's fine. But when you start to get quantitative, that's why I push back on that frequency thing is like, okay, for, for giggles, let's just say you're right. And you, frequency has a big impact on my performance. How are you going to quantify what your frequency cap is? Are you going to mm -hmm. test it? Do you have data to find this out? Like in what realm? So even if you want to do the thing, how are you going to quantify? Like I could tell you what I want my bid caps to be. I can tell you what I want my cost caps to be. I have historical data to drain in on this stuff. I can tell you where my CPM targets. I, I have this stuff. Yeah. But how the fuck are you going to tell me you can correlate a frequency cap with performance? Like, I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just saying, man, that sounds like a really complicated equation versus, hey, let me run some DCT, grab some ones behind that, make some champion ads behind that, and ship those into a highly performing audience. Yeah. And, 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 and <laughs> like, my, it just doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. And, and the last thing on that that I'll, that I'll go to is a two-parter. Number one, you can't do it, so don't even worry about it. Like, it's not something you can actually take action on. And if you can't take action exactly. on it, then it's a waste of your fucking time. Number two, first impression ratio. <laughs> yeah, right. Like, what the fuck does that? Yeah, I mean, I know, but they don't. Uh, We're moving on. We're moving. On. Yeah, 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 yeah. Sorry, David. I'm gonna light you up every time you say that shit. <laughs> bullshit. Uh, and people trust you, and that's irresponsible of you to talk about some bullshit that people can't trust. And there's a reason why you were struggling, and I'm sitting here just laughing at you, um, trying to help, uh, regardless of whether or not you're gonna take it. Uh, number two, the other side of it that is important is, um. You can't, you can't, you can't take action on it. And then the other side is that is the marginal difference in a performance change is so small. If that improves your ecosystem by like a 2% change, that's, that's great. But in the amount of effort you can get that 2% change, you can make a five or 10% change by doing bigger ideas. The, the, 
death by a thousand paper cuts. The biggest lesson, one of the biggest lessons that I've learned from working with people that, you know, spend, I mean, I, I have spent over a hundred million dollars with the people that got there before me was to only try to solve really big problems because yes. working in the minutia doesn't fucking matter. Not even if solve you solve the, it, it doesn't yeah, even move the needle. It, it doesn't matter. Move mountains. And that's how you create big success. If, if you're going to find the tweak on this one ad that ultimately spends 30 bucks a day, does that fucking matter? <laughs> 200 bucks a day. Does that fucking matter? No. It's how do I get from 200 a day to a thousand a day? Or how do I get my CPA from 50 down to 30? Those are the things that are actually going to create a big difference inside of your ecosystem. It, so exactly. don't worry about the small shit. Like you can't sweat the small stuff. There's literally hundreds of books and like stupid t-shirts available on Etsy and Poshmark that say that exact thing. That's we need a t-shirt, Charlie. I, yeah, we need I a t-shirt. You know, garbage thinking. <laughs> garbage garbage thinking. I need to get, garbage yeah, yeah, yeah. thinking. That needs to go on the t-shirt. We love you, Dave. We're just teasing. We love you. <laughs> He's actually a fun follow. You have to you have to go through some stuff. He's a fun follow. I would say uh, kind of the whole encapsulation, like where I come from, what we say, the juice ain't worth the squeeze, baby. Like, it, like put your money elsewhere. Like, the, put your you just the intellectual horsepower you need to do this. I mean, you're getting into a level of almost like cohort analysis. Like, if you're, if anybody out there, you know how to do core, it's fucking super complicated. And to be honest, there's a shit ton of fudge built in. Like, <laughs> it's very challenging. So if you're gonna get into that level of complexity, man, you might as well use that brain power on something like Charlie said that's gonna move a mountain and not a little shopping cart. Yeah. Boom. So speaking of shopping carts, I got open your wallets. It's going to be Black Friday, Cyber Monday. So the tip tool of the week is uh, a couple things. One, so Charlie dropped this in our Slack group. Uh, awesome, awesome Slack group. It is pay. So if you don't want to pay, you can go in the Facebook group. Still really awesome, but uh, not as cool. Anyway, the clipboard. I didn't realize how many people didn't use an actual clipboard manager. And mm -hmm. so a clipboard manager essentially lets you keep uh, clipboard memory. And so there's actually a really cool tool I've been using for years called Alfred that is not only a clipboard manager, but it's a, it's kind of like Spotlight on steroids. If you guys don't know what Spotlight is, so this is all Mac stuff. So sorry if you guys are PC people out there, um, but you'll need a Mac for this. But Spotlight is the uh, used to be the Sherlock, but it's the search functionality within a Mac. If you hit uh, command space bar, you'll see that pop up. And so Alfred gives you all these things where you can have these hot keys, you can have uh, clipboard management and all these things. But... For us as media buyers, why it's really helpful is that clipboard management because what you can do is just copy and paste a bunch of your copy or headlines or whatever, and then you can just pap, 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 create ads really quickly. So that's the software side of it. That's Alfred. 100% recommend it. Uh, it's really great. Any clipboard manager is great, but Alfred's uh, on steroids, and it's fantastic for Mac. The second thing is a little bit more cheddar, but if you guys are ever looking to upgrade a laptop, again, this is the MacRam, I use all Apple stuff. Um, the M1 MacBook Airs are retard. There are videos making the uh, rounds where the compute power on these things are just bananas. The, the M1 architecture is just, just nuts. So if you are looking to upgrade your laptop, you can get a nice MacBook Air for about a grand, and it's probably the best laptop that's Apple's put out um, in quite some time. So like I said, a little bit of cheddar. Alfred does have a free version. So if you don't want to open the wallets for that, definitely do it. But um, yeah, Alfred and the new MacBooks or MacBook Pros, anything with the new M1 processor is just uh, a monster. So that's what I got for you, Charlie. A little, a little bit of cheddar, but hey, man, you know, it, it is the season, right? Yeah, right? Like you got to treat yourself. <laughs> exactly why why are you making all these other people money and you're not living your life come on right? people come on come feed on. the dream all right well you know what time it is folks it's what everybody's waiting for start your engines it is the guru buster piece of the week is a thing that i like to call or is a thing that people have mentioned is is called delayed attribution and i saw this thing from yep. common thread collective and they have some new champion media buyer that is, she seems really smart, and they had this great live video. It was about two and a half, three minutes, where she was explaining why delayed attribution in November was that that it was so strong and it was great, and you should spend into it, and that was like really a great thing of success. And you should absolutely, you know, lean into it. And I said, well, yes, it's bigger. Does that mean that you should spend into it? I don't know. Like, there's, it's, it's the correlation is incorrect. So let me talk about what delayed attribution is. Number one, 
Okay. And the delayed attribution basically says, if I spend money today, I might get a sale on it a week from now or two weeks from now. And so then I should allow Facebook to get the 28 day click one day view attribution credit. And because I'm going to get see this big lift, I should spend into it now. 80, 90% of businesses don't really have that delayed attribution. It, it works in the same way. So let me explain how this works. So the reason that delayed attribution generally works is because you get a click to your site, you're generating interest. So if I click to the site and then like I go there and then I maybe do a search, you know, a little bit later, or maybe I like bookmark it. Yeah. And then I like sign for an email and I get something, or maybe I get an SMS. Um, and that's what converts me. If the, if the credit is also going to go to the last Facebook click, even if that was 27 days ago. So then you're basically yep. saying that delayed attribution, yes, it does lift inside of Black Friday, Cyber Monday, and then the gift giving time because people are more interested in buying. However, that's also a time when you're laying into a lot of other efforts, right? Your, your, your branded search is going way the fuck up. Your email things are going way the fuck up. Your SMS is going way up. Your, your, your YouTube, there's a million other channels we are really leaning into making a sale. So yes, the delayed attribution sees a huge lift because all of your marketing efforts have a huge yes. lift. If you were to ramp up your marketing efforts and just keep them there, well, your delayed attribution is just gonna establish a new plateau. Delayed attribution is directly correlated to other marketing efforts. Very, very, very few people actually click on an ad, bookmark the page, come back in three weeks and buy without anything else. Now, there are some people that will do that and a lot of people will do that and they'll, what they'll do, the folks that do that, I uh, say so do do that it is that they, they keep a, like an alert for themselves, just like a price thing, or they're going to wait for something to come in. But very rarely does somebody say, yes, I'm interested. I'm going to save this thing. I'm going to buy it weeks later. That is an exceptionally small percentage of the marketing pool. So what I want to get to here is I did this thing. I don't know if you're going to be able to see it on the, on the, on the Periscope. Anyway, here you go, Periscope people. And then uh, here's this thing. So what I wanted to get down here was a, a layout of exactly, oh, I guess that'll work a layout of how this ecosystem works. So at the top, you see a Facebook click, right? Now that click might happen three weeks ago and somebody goes to the site and then they hit a search. They might sign up for email. They might even get SMS. Now, ultimately you've created one sale, but inside of your reporting dashboard, you have three to four channels that are saying, hey, I drove a sale. So your okay. reporting dashboard is saying, we drove four sales. However, your Shopify says, I only see one sale. So my point with this is, the delayed attribution works if you're willing to give Facebook credit for every single channel. You're basically saying my email doesn't drive any revenue. My SMS mm -hmm. doesn't drive any revenue. My Google doesn't drive and Bing doesn't drive any revenue. By the way, you should be on Bing. If you're not on there, just port over your Google things because it's, it's, it's crushes at super low volume, but you can get like 50 acts ROAS on like 20 bucks a day, but you should still do it. Um, so the issue here is that, yes, there's a huge delayed attribution, but you have to understand it comes at the expense of other marketing efforts. And that right. was the thing that I was getting to a huge piece. So yes, you're going to see a larger delayed attribution. Yes, that is going to happen during this buying season. And yes, that will lift above the level that you see most throughout the year. But it's on the back of you increasing your email efforts, on the back of you getting more and more traffic, on the back of everything else that's happening. The way you can truly measure this that's really simple is to take that ecosystem thing that we talked about before. And I think we went mm -hmm. over this on a previous episode, this whole thing. Sorry, I have a sticky yep. note pad in front of me. Uh, and, and to understand if I increase my spend, does my revenue increase exponentially above that increase right. in spend? Maybe I double my Facebook spend, double my Google, maybe I increase my Facebook spend by 20% and I double my Google spend and I, and I hire on an, an email person to just blast out everything and do like landing page testing. I might be in for an extra $5,000, $10,000 in spend. Did I get twenty dollars to $30,000 more in revenue on top of that spend increase? Odds are, and I've done this time and time again, the answer is no. Like you're gonna get more buying behavior. People are more likely to buy, but the inventory is more costly. Your, 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 your traffic is more costly and you're paying in more and more places. So yes, the yeah. Facebook delayed attribution goes up, but it goes up at roughly the same rate as your investments in other channels go up. So your duplication of conversion data massively increases. Your Facebook's gonna look great from a vanity perspective, but yeah. your one day click generally won't go up that much. Across all of your channels, it's more or less gonna stay roughly the same. Like you're gonna see some lift on Black Friday, Saturday, Monday, but also while you're seeing that delayed attribution volume go up, most people are doing that at the expense of profit margins. Like, yes, it went up, yes. I'm 40% off on my store. Did I increase my sales by the amount that it's gonna overcome that reduction in profit margin? 
The answer to that generally is no. So the point here about delayed attribution being a lift to your overall business is that the problem is duplication of marketing efforts. If you're, if you're able to, to measure this, you have to see how many orders, how, many, how much revenue did I get on each individual day in my store? And then say, how does that relate to my spend and my marketing efforts and my payroll that went in to operating that thing? If I increase all my operating expenses by 20%, then my overall revenue increased by 25 or 30%, in which right. case, if that's the case, absolutely, that's great. But if you drive a ton more sales by discounting your product and increasing your overhead, does that actually work well for your business? And the odds are, the answer is no. But many Facebook media buyers love it because it makes their platform look better. However, if you right. don't have a good relationship with your client, they're going to look at and be like, well, all of our Facebook reporting looked great, but everything else went to shit. And it's because you're taking credit for other people's work. And you need to understand what is the single source of truth that you're willing to trust. You either give Facebook credit for everything and understand that some people are going to come in outside of Facebook and basically like those are just free. Or you have to understand that everything is on a one day click and you measure what your uh, ROAS multipliers are going to be, which is the actual proper way of attributing this delayed attribution. And you run your business as usual, monitoring your success. Because at the end of the day, if in December 5th, it looks like, oh, that second week of November just matured to a 3X. Like that means that somebody bought much later. And it's, if they bought on December 3rd or December 5th or December whatever, like it's not because of a Facebook ad that they saw three weeks ago. Yes, that may have gotten, that's the last touch Facebook had, but that purchasing behavior didn't necessarily occur because of something that Facebook did. It absolutely is additive to the situation, but that additive, that, that incremental amount of volume that Facebook delivered you is also being closed by some other marketing effort. And if you have to pay somebody a thousand, you know, say you pay somebody four grand a month and you're increasing your Facebook spend by X amount or your Google spend by X amount, that's added overhead, added cost. And you have to bake that into your overall success. And every single person that I talk to about this that disagrees with me doesn't know those numbers. And the people that do know those numbers are the ones that are most suspicious about the Facebook ROAS and they're the ones willing to run Facebook at a 0.8, a 1.2, a 1.5, because they understand if you can increase the quality and volume at the top of the funnel, then all that really matters is what was my overall spend today? What was my overall revenue? Is my global ROI on marketing improved? Yeah. If the answer is yes, fantastic. If the answer is no, I don't give a fuck about Facebook vanity metrics looking good in three weeks because there's nothing actionable I can do other than say, well, I think it's going to be better now. Let me spend a shit ton in. And then like, well, all of my channels did so much better. But now I've got 500 sales, even though my e-com source has only got 350. And now you have to unpack that shit, which is another month and a half of bullshit you're going to have to deal with. And okay. it ultimately means Facebook wasn't that valuable to you. So there's my piece on it. Um, I love Taylor. Uh, he, I tried to say, hey, Taylor, why don't we talk about this on camera? And he said what he said. So I basically like, Taylor, I hope this helps you unpack what I was trying to say. And we can get on the same page. Um, there you go. I like I like Taylor. He seems like a genuine guy. We we should get him on the pod and have you guys go at it. Uh, yeah, I, I, I'm with you, man. I I think it's really it's an interesting way to think of your business and technically make sense. My pushback is exactly what yours is. When you get into a complex marketing environment, which to me is three channels. So I mean, you can get there really quickly with Facebook. <laughs> uh google and email boom you're already in a to my opinion a complex uh media environment and so what happens is when you decouple facebook's performance from the actual central source of truth which for so this is interesting that you say that that so this is nomenclature that i actually stole from uh, I, at my previous agency we ran shit tons of money for app installs mm. and or for apps and so this is a huge issue with um, apps, especially if you're on both platforms and Google and Android. And so what would happen is you would have something like Apps Flyer, where that was your central source of truth. And then it fucking blew all this delayed attribute. You don't have to even worry about it. This is what Apps Flyer says. So if you don't have that, it gets really hinky. And it can also get really weird because to your point, like, hey, I ran a 7X ROAS. That's awesome. We're net negative five percent for the month over month revenues <laughs> it's great that the ads did good but uh what happened to my revenues and so i think the dangerous part of that delayed attribution in my opinion is 
you get a decoupling that starts to make the performance opaque. And so mm -hmm. even though I actually have this with one of my clients now, it's not a, um, it's an inventory issue, but the ads are crushing it, but our revenues are horrible. And it's because we're losing tons of organic revenue on products that are normally good, but the ad ecosystem is fantastic, but the overall ecosystem isn't. So I'm actually pulling spend back because I'm pushing people that are super high quality, but they can't buy the product that they want because it's out. And so I really think to your point, I, and to be fair, I understand if you're not running the full stack, make yeah. your ecosystem look as good as you want, man. Absolutely. I, I totally get that. Like if, you, if totally your business fair. model is to lie to your customer, to lie to your customer <laughs> and make as much money as possible, then do it. Like some of us aren't invested in business success of the customer. Some of us are not invested in relationships. Like I want to look as good as possible. I'm a short con. Like if that's your business model, if you're a short view ad agency, then 100% lie as much as possible. Do something reporting that isn't a one day click. Totally good oh. business for you. You're going to be constantly <laughs> looking for new customers, but it's going to work short term. The Chuck T velvet touch. <laughs> <laughs> like I say, I totally understand that. But if you can get into that full stack kind of running of a, a marketing and you are in aligned in more of that partnership role and not necessarily like an agency role, the ecosystem is really the way that matters because at the end of the day, the owner doesn't give a fuck how the ads are doing. The owner gives a fuck how much revenues are up month over month. Yeah. And so if you're coming to me and you're saying you're seven X in ROAS, the he's, why aren't you spending more or what? It doesn't matter. They make up a story for why those revenues aren't there. And if yeah. you have this amazing ad ecosystem, but revenues aren't there, you know, I got a bridge for you. It's yeah. going gonna to be a tough sell. It's going to be a tough yeah. sell. At yeah. the end of the day, like if you want your client calls to go well, give yourself the biggest uphill climb possible and prove that you're actually good at your job. And then the client will love you, right? Like say, this is full transparency. I'm doing this. And here is every reason why you shouldn't trust me. And then beat it. And then that person yep. will trust you forever. Or you can say, hey, look, all of your success is completely due to me. And literally the entire rest of your team is worthless. Those are the two angles you have at a hyperbolic level. And I'll tell you, as somebody whose job was to steal ad share from other agencies at an agency, I'm really fucking good at lying to people on shit like that. And those are the tricks that you'll use. So take a side, pick a team. Do you want positive relationships that are going to be good for your business long-term? Or do you want to look really good right now and work really hard and then have a bunch of client calls where you're trying to explain why the owner doesn't know their business? I mean, mic drop. And the other thing just to wrap it up with the second bow is for me, when you have these like abstracted metrics, again, you can get into these false positives. And especially if you control big budgets, man, you can lean five, seven, 10 K into something before, you know, you lost your shirt. And then you're like, fuck, how am I going to make up the month? How am I, I blew you know, 10% of the budget in a horrible idea, but because it had this delayed attribution, I think things are going to roll in but they're not because it's February. And my, so I think a ROAS multiplier and an ecosystem coupling is really my pathway forward. But like Charlie said, different strokes, different folks, red pill, blue pill. Yeah. Whatever floats your boat, people. This is an all access podcast. <laughs> and we're, we're broadcasting for the people here. That's right. That's um, right. Now we got kickoff in seven minutes. So, okay, cool. That's it. Look at this timing. It's perfect. All right. It's so we talked about multi-text and dynamic creative multi-text. You can't run existing ads, but you can see a lot of performance. The way to think of multi-text and dynamic creative is insight versus performance. What do you want? What do you care about? Mm -hmm. Testing with dynamic creative, you can test at low levels. It is by nature performative, but you can see champions and take those and make them into existing champion ads. And then you can also just run a free for all in there. Leverage dynamic creative. It's fantastic. The algorithm can work for you. Speaking of the algorithm that can work for you, don't restrict your algorithm. Just remove the bad choices. If you want more on that, listen to the damn podcast. There you go. Uh, tip tool of the week. <laughs> Buy uh, one of the new MacBooks. If you are in the market for a laptop, they are sensational and they're semi-affordable where you can get in one about a grand to 1200 bucks for a really a screaming machine. Um, and then get a clipboard manager. Alfred is my choice um, and it's really awesome. And then... Um, we closed with the Guru Buster. So, man, a great show. Lots of this lively. Is this is awesome. Good, good luck to your Steelers today. Take take another one home. We got against the um, Jags, man. I got to. 
little yeah charge the moon rocks or something well hey hey did you this is the cowboys and i'm worried about the vikings over here okay so, <laughs> so I luck is yeah. relative bro <laughs> luck go. is relative all okay, right people, man. smoke them if you got them enjoy your weekend and everybody uh have a great day follow charlie on the twitters what's your handle at ct the disruptor follow Rob at the uh, on twitters what's your handle Raba Ray Hill, and then make sure to follow us at the porch online. And then if you find anything questionable or anything that you think is uh, really interesting that we can dig in on, just tag us and uh, we'll come after it in a good way. We want, we yeah. want fun, interesting want discussion. Be constructive. And we, I'm trying to be constructive. nicer on the Twitter. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I've, I've slapped Charlie down people. So I, cause I know Dara, <laughs> Dara is a really fun uh, gal on the Twitters and she wants to come on. So I, I promised nice. her that I would keep you tamed. So, okay. I'll All sit right, on people. my hands. Here we go. <laughs> We'll make you do like Edward 40 hands or something. So you can- There we go. All right. Sounds good. All right. Awesome, Charlie. Thanks for your time, brother. We'll talk soon. Thank you, man. Bye, See you everybody. Later. Bye.